Welcome to the Initiative Podcast. Today our topic is young adults in the workspace with Christy Crock, Grant Skeldon, Chelsea Vaughn, and Ryan Sears. We hope you enjoyed today's topic, and if you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions for future conversations, feel free to reach out to us via social media or at heyinitiativenetwork.org. All right, guys, so the topic today is Millennials in the Workplace. Uh, we're just going to get right into it. We have four Millennials, two guests, Christy Crock and Ryan Sears. Uh, me and Chelsea are also on the podcast. So to get started with this topic that everyone seems to be talking about is Millennials who are making up more and more of the workplace. What do you guys look for? Quick answers in a workplace. Like, what do you want to find there? What's going to make you want to work? I love having like the freedom to be able to have commodities. Like if I want to bring my lunch, I want to be able to have a fridge there where I can put my lunch. I want to be able to have access to water. I worked in a place once where we didn't have access to like water or any drinks. In the last five years? Yes. And it was so frustrating (laughs) because I'm like, Water is hydrating. I need that when I'm working. You like bring your own gallon jug. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why camelbacks are so popular now. Probably. People need them at work. Um, something I look for in the workplace. Man, maybe this isn't what you're looking for, but I have to have like a really clear vision from yeah. my leadership. Um, and a vision that's constantly being repeated and given so that I can continually being reminded of, okay, this is to what we're working towards. Um, that's something that whenever I look at a job, I'm like, where's the vision? Is it clearly communicated? Can I buy into it? Okay. But if, like let's it. say there's this awesome, clear, unbelievably clear vision and you show up and it's uh, a really dark, damp room and you work uh, in a cubicle. That's cool. That's not cool. <laughs> I think there is a balance of how much you're willing to sacrifice. It's not ideal at all. Of course, nobody would want to go and work in an environment like that. Um, So what do you look for in that environment? Okay, so ideal work environment would include... Grant, I know you're a big fan of this. Natural lighting. So, oh man, we know that lighting is important, as in we talk all the time about how much lighting is important. So whenever there's lots of windows and the ability to see outside, get disconnected for a second and say, oh, look what's happening out there. Okay, now I'm refreshed from seeing that and I can come back to work. That's important. Um, Can I say, yeah, this is a real concern. It stinks because you can't change it, but like, I don't know who Christian architects or if they weren't Christian, like why Christians trusted so many architects for churches that built buildings without windows. Like, they just didn't have windows. Why do churches not have windows? Very rarely does a church have windows, uh, I Hmm. feel like, Uh, especially the older churches. More modern churches are starting to. So if you're a pastor, you might not be able to do anything about it. But if you can, (laughs) have windows. If you're about to plant a church, get windows. Makes me think of stained glass and how that was so popular. Yes, the older church. You know, because they do have so I mean it's beautiful stained glass and it's not distracting like Christie's talking about you're not gonna you know look at little Susie walking her dog but it's still beautiful and you still get that natural light aspect maybe it's really expensive though 
Yeah. So what are, okay, we're talking about some of the things where we might like, but what are the most common things we hear when we talk to our friends, read blog posts, read articles, watch videos um, that millennials are looking for in the workplace for anyone that may not just know? We're talking tangibles and intangibles? Yeah. Uh, I could sum a lot of it up in accessibility. So Christy was saying she wants really clear vision. For me, if the vision ever gets unclear, I can go to my supervisor, whoever my boss is, and say, hey, this isn't clear. Can you help me out? That accessibility really helps me. That's intangible. The tangible of that is at my old office where I used to work, my boss was literally next door. We shared offices. We were neighbors. So that accessibility was practical. It was tangible. It really helped me that concretely I could go to him whenever I wanted. We didn't have windows, though, and we did have cubicles, but it wasn't dark. It wasn't damp. Okay, so did you oh, – this is serious. I would see that, and I would wonder, how do you all do that? You've been to the office. Yeah, I know. So did you – would you say – I mean, we're over here saying we don't want cubicles. Like, for the record, we were literally – a couple months ago, weeks ago, we're looking at an office to maybe go into, and they were showing us these spots that we could have, and they had like some fancy name, but really all it was in my mind was a little table that looked at a wall, and it was reserved <laughs> for you to look at that wall only. It was <laughs> for your eyes only. And I was just like, I can't, and for as enthusiastic as they were about having that one dedicated spot to look at a wall, I... And all my friends, we realized, were just laughing inside that we would never want that spot. Mm-hmm. Now, Ryan yeah. was in an environment like that. And I do think the people can make and bring alive a cubicle space. It, yeah. But would you say that you... Did that ever affect you? Um, or does I'll it matter as much as we think? It, I think it does matter. I think it's totally contingent on what you're doing, the type of yeah. work that you're doing. For me, I, didn't, I wasn't confined to that space. If I didn't want to be at the office and I needed to be away, I wanted to go to a coffee shop, I wanted to go to a library, I wanted to go to a school and hang out with some students, I was totally free to do that. I kind of created my own workflow. And that freedom, um, it really helped me to have the accessibility of my supervisor, to have a space where I could work and get away from the world, but also to have freedom from that, to go out and get the work that I needed to get done away from my, my team who would have berated me with constant questions potentially it it helped it helped a lot to be able to get outside of no window Mm -hmm. zone because if you're always without windows and no light where's the energy come from yeah and so i think it's difficult for a lot of people who aren't who don't have that freedom and they day in and day out Mm -hmm. go to the same cubicle and don't have the freedom or the accessibility and it isn't life-giving as i think a big part of it is it gets dreary and run down and eventually it wears on you and wears on you and wears on you and you hate going to that space. You come to like resent your little cubicle at times. Um, So maybe the opportunity for freedom is something that could potentially alleviate that and make it easier to come in if they know like, hey, one day if I want to go spend a few hours at this place, like I'm allowed to do that. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's not practical for every every company or organization, but um, I definitely think that that's evidenced by, especially in Dallas, how popular coffee shops are how people go all the time to coffee shops to work, whether that's for school or for business or whatever it is. That's very common in Dallas. I don't know that that's just Dallas. I think that's a... Well, (laughs) in places where there's coffee shops. True. Yeah. I think it can be frustrating, though, when that is 
when you only want the freedom to have that space to work. Because for me, I'm like, yes, I I love the, you know, common workspace environment. I love the coffee shop environment, but I want some structure. And so Mm -hmm. just like Brian is saying, it's frustrating to me when millennials talk about work environments and they're so adamant about this is exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. This would be perfect. It's like the grass is always greener because honestly, I want some structure to my workspace, to my work day. And having that structure is going to make me so much more productive. So it frustrates me when it it's so single-minded. So what are things that... So we're listing out some things that are like... I There's some things that millennials want, by and large. Like millennials seem to want in a workplace that I agree with. Like natural lighting. Why would I only want to be in like a, some dim-lidded room that it looks at a wall? That, to me, makes sense. If it doesn't make sense to other generations, then that's one that I wouldn't really compromise on and say, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's dumb. I think, I don't know how people worked in that kind of environment. You spend so much time at work. Why would you not make it a place that you enjoy being? But there are some things that millennials do want that not all millennials want, or maybe there's a, a few that don't want that. What are those things that you hear millennials sometimes want, but they don't? necessarily represent you for example for me like when we we were uh looking into some different resources on like how millennials think about the workplace and one thing that i picked up in all the stuff that we were watching was none of them talked about anything that helped you actually get work done Mm -hmm. so as much as it was giving millennials a hard time they were all talking about what makes an environment that you would want to hang out in not it's like a living room environment, a, yeah. a place where you can watch a game, like a, all these different things. None of that accomplishes work unless like you're an ESPN reporter and you got to just <laughs> have fun and watch games. Like, so yeah. I get it. Like make an environment where your breaks can be good, but like yeah. none of them, at least what I saw listed anything that gets work accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> so that does frustrate mm-hmm. me because then it makes it seem like we don't want to work. And I think you can't be passionate and not want to work like that passion has got to be released in some way. Uh, but I don't know if we just mm. don't know how to articulate it or if we just don't, but I would say there is something there and that does frustrate me. Yeah. I'm a hard worker. That's all I have to say. I believe myself to be a hard worker. I am very competitive. I'm going to get whatever I need to get done accomplished. And when I see things about my generation that makes us seem like we really are slacktivists, we dream big, but we do little, mm. it aggravates me to no end. Because I think when people look at me, which identity is where it is, but when people look at me and they think, oh, you're just a millennial, you don't have anything to speak to this, you don't really care about this, you'd rather be on your phone, that, that frustrates me. And I've had, it, believe it or not, employees who were millennials who I had the hardest time motivating at times to get their jobs accomplished. But I understand why there are things that are said of us um, that frustrate me, but it still frustrates me. So how did you, I'm very curious, you as a millennial, having millennials that work for you, what, for a listener, did you find work in motivating millennials in, I guess, a millennial way? I think I had to use logic over time through relationship. <laughs> I think the only thing that would help was to 
to show them how their failures and their successes logically made sense with how they worked yeah. and structuring their day and structuring their week and thinking ahead. You would think that these are natural things to know until <laughs> you're a boss of some people who don't know those things. And so they taught me a lot. I had a lot to learn and still do about leadership. But <laughs> sometimes they just wanted to hook up their little Nintendo on their desk and play that. Rather like than literally, I've been wow. to his office. I've been to his office a couple times. I think Old twice. Old office, yeah. I walked in and they, he, his guys were just playing Nintendo, literally. Like, that's huh. what they were doing in wow. their workspace. <laughs> and they have plenty to do, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> their, their workload is not dwindling oh by any like, stretch of the imagination. Not, not, don't, don't, huh. let, don't hear me say they're like in the youth area playing Nintendo. It's like literally on their desk. In the cubicle. Like two of them. High school, yeah, just playing Nintendo. And luckily... Huh. The, there's a there was a female that worked with them that she seemed to be getting a lot of stuff done in the corner while the guys were playing Nintendo. Man, I'll hire her. I'll pay her three times as much <laughs> as she's making right now in the future, hopefully. What do y'all think about that? Or what is y'all's frustration if it's something else? Please enlighten me. Let me know that I wasn't the only one that was frustrated with that situation. That is incredibly yeah, frustrating. I yeah, would be so but frustrated. I think it's mirrored in other and other ways at different places. So I don't think millennials across the world are taking their Nintendos to work and hooking it up. It's true. Um, but I think it <laughs> is not expressed. happening everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's expressed through um, social media or personal yeah. calls or um, other things like that. I don't know. I don't know what else that might be. And it is frustrating because they're getting paid to do a job and they're spending that time to do stuff that isn't work or isn't contributing to work. And there's a balance of taking breaks and allowing yourself time to um, just kind of refresh your mind um, before you get back into the thick of it. But then there's a level of responsibility where um, things just get out of hand. And so it is frustrating because, man, they represent millennials and then um, established generations get to see that and then assign that stigma to all of us. And it's like, man, we're not about that. We believe in um, working hard and doing good. And there are so many areas that our generation and even us, um, or even, excuse me, me at times can fall short in that. So, you know, that's right. maybe it's cause I'm thinking, okay, what millennials do I know that really do work hard? Like just self driven. Cause I don't know many millennials that are self driven work hard type of people. And they tend to be, um, when I think about, it, I think of entrepreneurs, maybe because they're entrepreneurs, they literally, that no one else is going to drive them. But, when I think of the millennials that are tempted the most or want to just hang out the most and like chill the most, it is um, in corporate type jobs where there's a structure and you're just one little pawn in the whole hmm. chess game. Uh, but when everything relies on you, because I think of like the entrepreneurial world and at least from what I see, a lot of them are young people and they work hard. So hard, like they're everywhere doing everything all the time, wearing every hat. When I think of the guys that aren't even close to that, couldn't even do that if they wanted to, a lot of them are in like corporate jobs. Hmm. Two things that I think about in response to the question about my situation and to what you said, Christy, and to what you said, Grant. Man, I think I think it's two things. You originally said, How do you 
how did you motivate them to get their stuff done? I think it's two things. I think you've got to have buy-in into yourself. If they aren't bought into you as a leader, that they're not going to work for you. And I, man, I fought tooth and nail. We were all the same age. That's also probably a part of it. But I fought tooth and nail for them to buy into me. They respected me as a leader, but we were on a peer level. And so I could understand sometimes where the waters would get a little muddied, but they were bought into me. But sometimes that buy-in, they, they forget then that they've been empowered. You have to remind them of what you've empowered mm-hmm. them to do. You have to remind them um, of all that they have to do and the weight of it. Not only that, but you have to give them new opportunity. It's things that everybody knows, but that can have them buy into you as a leader more. Not only that, it, they buy into the vision. They buy yeah. into the literal work. Not just like, man, I so, love the work that we're doing. It's I love this thing that I need to get done right now because it fits into the big picture. So differentiate as much as possible for someone listening. What is the difference between that, what you're just now talking about, and what is definitely perceived by uh, people that are above the age of a millennial generation that think in order to work well with millennials, you got to become their best friends? Yeah, I don't want to be your best friend. You're not going to be in my wedding if you're my boss. You're close Unless friends. Like you got to be cool with the millennials. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Like you saw what we saw is yeah. like it's saying basically talking about like if you want to be, if you want to work well with millennials, then like add them all on Facebook and become like yeah. really good friends with them and take selfies with them mm-hmm. and then they'll trust you. But I I don't think that that will make them work hard. I just think they'll make them trust you. So yeah. it sounds like what you're saying is different, but like very clearly differentiate that for someone that was like, okay, I feel like I'm trying to be friends with them. And that's what they may be hearing. Yeah. Um, If you're my leader and you're not a millennial, I don't want you to be my friend so much as I want you to fight for me, which you could say that's a friend, but I want you to fight for me to know that I want to know that you're on my side, that you're in my corner, that you want my benefit for the future, that what I'm doing fits into the vision now, but this, what I'm doing right now, fits into the future of my life that I'm not just drudging away and wasting my life. I want to know that. I'll know that you're for me, and I buy into you as a leader. The other thing, I want feedback, real, honest feedback. But if you give me feedback on me before you give me feedback on yourself, I may not trust the feedback that you give me. So the third thing, I need to have you be a little vulnerable and transparent as a leader. I need to know the things that you've Good. learned, the things that you failed yeah. at, the things that you succeeded in, the things that you you know work and don't work. Because if you prepare me to succeed, well, I'll trust you when you give me feedback because I know that you're yeah. preparing me to succeed and not just for right now, but for the future. And so you don't have to be my friend so much as you have to be a little transparent, which maybe you're not transparent with your friends. I am. But just because you're transparent with me doesn't mean we're friends. You're not going to be in my wedding. I That's the... That's what I equate friend to. So um, if you'll do those three things, if you will uh, prepare me for my future, if you will give me honest, good feedback, both very supportive of when I'm succeeding, but also very supportive of when I'm failing and things that I could have done more effectively. And the third thing of be transparent. Those three things, I, I I think that's huge. Did that answer your question? It did, absolutely. And I think those things can be perceived as things that are only done by friends. And hmm. it is a different than a uh, friend. It's just like, if we're on the same team, these things are necessary. Yeah. I think that's very helpful. For me, in my experience, those speak to what I've experienced so much because 
I am, when I hear you talk, I'm thinking of two different bosses that I had. One was a boss where literally we served at a camp. And so we picked up trash. We washed dishes for hours. Like it was all very, very, um, I don't know, not fun tasks Mm -hmm. that we were doing. Um, And then I was at a different job and it was very creative and we got to plan things. And so you would think, okay, which job would you want more? Which environment even would you want more? And I would choose the other job because of my boss, because the camp job job where it wasn't a camp job in like fun, I'm a counselor. It was a camp job in that literally I was taking out the trash and like picking up cabins and things because my boss empowered me in exactly what we were doing, but why we were doing it and how that enabled a greater good. I mean, exactly what you're saying, like you're going to be passionate about washing these dishes because if you weren't washing them, these families that are like experiencing God's reconciliation are not going to be able to eat because they're not going to be plates. And she gave the why every single time. She empowered us every single time when we did those little things. And she was transparent, but she wasn't too transparent. She wasn't my friend at the end of it. But I respected her because I knew that she knew exactly what we were doing. And then this creative job where I was like, wow, this would be everything that you think you want. She was so much our friend that I began doubting that she was capable of doing what she was leading us to do. Mm. And I didn't like that because then I was like, man, sometimes I feel like I'm more responsible than you are. And Mm. I don't want that because then I lose this trust that you've built through Facebook and uh, respect is completely out the window. I don't care what we're doing. If I don't trust you, if I don't respect you, and if I'm not reminded of, you know, why we're doing what we're doing, then I'm going to quit. And, I think something you keep you kept bringing up, and I think all of us are going to bring up, like you brought it up, Christy, is the why um, in the vision being reminded. And um, I think in a culture, in a business world where there's a lot of deadlines, there's a lot of pressures, uh, there's a lot of like weekly and monthly pressures. Uh, sometimes the motivation is the fear of deadlines and the fear of pressures uh, that ultimately do affect the vision of the company but um you only communicate the pressures of this week we got to do this because this guy needs this or this uh month Mm -hmm. this big thing's happening and everyone knows that this time of the year this is like it's like that's the kind of pressures you hear that's not why kind of stuff Mm -hmm. that's what we need to do right and if you don't communicate and this is then why it matters in the big picture uh it doesn't it doesn't motivate um, young people as much because they're I think they're I think they're searching for uh, a why heavy type of business and um, I, I think that I think that I've realized that even in of course in our own organization but don't assume everyone just knows why they're doing what they're doing and how it fits into the big picture yeah or even that they remember like constantly vision casting and saying the why is so important and so helpful um, in the longevity of people's um, desire to work hard and do well. And I think of uh, real quick on how when I think of my parents and my friend, my parents, friends and my grandparents, but especially my parents age, um, 
I don't think of a generation that is passionate about their work. Right. And, but I mean, the companies that they work for are not these companies that don't have vision. I just, I do feel like somewhere along the way, the communication of the vision or really the priorities, I'll say the pri- the daily, weekly, and monthly or quarterly priorities were communicated out of fear of mm-hmm. what might happen if we don't instead of like, look what's going to happen if we do. Yeah. And because of that, over a long period of time, it's easy to forget why you do what you do and show up every day to do yeah. something that you've forgotten why you do it. And so you, how do you have passion at work when you're just like a piece of the puzzle that gets that thing done by next week? That's really good. Um, this is, I'm going back. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I very recently see the responsibility of business, though. This is to your point. I very recently see like, man, we have an economy to upkeep. And I'm like, man, that is huge. So I love business more. I've always had a little bit of entrepreneur in me, but I'm like, man, that is so awesome. But I think this is where I'm pleading to you who are listening that are older, maybe like early 30s, maybe if you have wife and kids and like you've had some maturity that's been gained through that, I view you as a very established leader more than likely. But if you're older than that, you have to help us as millennials. You have to, because we talk about the work-life balance, but we don't really mean that. What we really mean is I have a social life that I have to upkeep, and if work gets in the way of that, I'm gonna be pretty frustrated. Mm -hmm. That's what we mean by work-life balance. And you see our life impeding on our workflow. You see that. And so when I talk about transparency, here's what I need. If you you are frustrated with that work-life balance thing too, um, I had a friend, he's a pastor, have a friend, pastor in this city. Um, he's early 30s, couple of kids. Um, and he said, you have to learn how to be transparent without being naked. And for some people, that's like a really weird thing. But I really believe that if you are a boss, if you are a leader of millennials, you have to help us learn how to be transparent without being naked. You have to help us learn what it's like to share and be vulnerable and be transparent in a work environment in a way that's healthy and safe and beneficial to the company where you're not just airing out all your dirty laundry. And if you can help us accomplish that, we'll learn a work-life balance. Not only that, you will you see a big picture where you can be transparent with us and then you can coach us in what transparency really looks like. Because for us, we're looking for, me personally, I'm looking for somebody that'll let me in to their life. I want to know what it's like when you put your kids to bed. I want to know what it's like when your kid doesn't want to eat dinner that your wife made or you made. What What is that supposed to look like? I want to know that kind of stuff. And that's not always healthy in a work environment. And so if you can help us as millennials learn how to be transparent in the right way, you would have done the world a huge, huge favor in the long run. That's good. So I'm going to uh, ask the last question. We're going to... Uh, in one minute from each of you three, um, I want you guys to answer the question because a lot of us have focused on like who are probably running companies or bosses of companies, a certain age group. We haven't talked too, too much to millennials themselves. Like, so mm-hmm. the question is, what do millennials in the workplace need to start and what do they need to stop? Uh, just one minute real quick. What do they need to start and what do they need to stop?
I think starting, uh, I think, okay, starting conversations of what boundaries look like if your boss hasn't done that. What do boundaries look like so that I know what the expectation is and how much room I have to be transparent, but then where that kind of stops. And being able to, as a millennial, if you don't feel like these conversations of how you're work life can be healthier, can be more productive, then ask. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I would say that millennials need to stop expecting organizations and bosses to restructure their entire setup to (laughs) cater to themselves. Yeah. Um, That's really good. Yeah. Dang it, Christy. In different words, that's my stop. The start would be to take some, I don't want to say initiative, God, please give me another word. Take some, in, ah, man, some intentional engagement in the culture and redefine what it looks like to be a millennial in the workplace. If you are a millennial, you have so much ability to change what's said about us. All you have to do is what you can do. Man, be influential among the millennials around you and engage in conversation and take breaks well and then work hard work really, really yeah. hard because we're so entitled to think that we deserve a, a manager position or this higher up position. But mm. why? What have you proven? Yeah. What have you shown yeah. that evidence is you're ready for that kind of a responsibility when you can't even do things that are small? I mean, even Jesus, if you're a believer, even Jesus said, you've been faithful over little. I will make you faithful over much. And if you're king, if your Lord would say that to you, what makes you think that your boss is going to be like, man, you totally dropped the ball, taken out the trash, but I'm totally going to let you take this multi-million dollar project for our company. I just, we got to work, man. No, I, I'm the same. I think the same thing. Is I, there, I've been talking to more uh, young people and asking them, like, what do they do at their nine-to-five job? And a lot of people... Uh, especially, honestly, in the church world and nonprofit world, um, when they paint the picture of what they do, they make it seem like they s- s- wait a lot mm. or sit around waiting for their leader a lot, like um, not realizing like you're not waiting for this person to tell you what to do. Or you could do that. You could do the bare minimum. Or you could be thinking, what are all the things I could do with my time that my leader's going and doing what he can? Um, that's so good. And I just feel like that is going to so do that, redeem the image. Is like, what can you be doing? And I, I think partly what I'm realizing in talking to, there's a certain individual that I'm thinking of um, that I disciple. That, and that when I realized that doesn't even come to his like mind. It's like, I could be doing this, this, and this. He's just, he does. And I think that part of that is millennials not being used to like having authority or being able to make their decisions. But uh, man, a millennial that just, when you show up, it's like, I did this, this, and this, and I think I I think, uh, I think also did this. And even if some of those things are wrong, I think I think by and large, bosses would be like, what? That's yeah. crazy, like you, yeah, sure. you did that and that. Now, I, I wish you didn't do that, but I think there'd still be more uh, affirmation there would be like, stop doing what you're doing. Uh, I don't know many millennials that think like that and live like that. Uh, but I think that verse is perfect for it. It's like, it's that making the best use of your time, which we talked about. Um, mm. 
with all your time, and especially never waiting. I just, yeah, waiting. It's not a word I think that Jesus is a big fan of, yeah. Unle- except for when you're waiting on him. Come back. <laughs> 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 anyway, guys, uh, thank you for listening. If you have yeah. any questions, and I'd like to say you can text us, but you can but tweet us <laughs> and take selfies with us, and we'll like you. <laughs> Love you guys, and we will be back to talk to y'all later. See ya.